Welcome to Sammy and Scooby Talk Movies, the podcast where we break down what movies have to say about real life issues. I'm Jake Scoobish, and along with my co-host Sam Brodnax, we're going to be jumping into a batch of movies about income inequality here in season one. We're looking at dramas and comedies, old and new films, and trying to answer how these movies address income inequality differently and what these stories say about how we all think about this issue. Today we're looking at The Queen of Versailles, a 2012 documentary about David and Jackie Siegel, a billionaire couple on a quest to build the largest home in America until the stock market crash of 2008 leaves them in a precarious financial situation. Precarious, that is, for billionaires. My name is David Siegel. My name is Jacqueline Siegel. I am the founder and CEO of the largest timeshare company in the world. I'm a 43-year-old mother of eight. I thought she was the most beautiful girl in the world. It took me a while to fall in love with him. We have a great relationship. There's 30 years between us, but he doesn't need Viagra. At least there is that option if he does, like, I don't know if 10 years from now. <laughs> we never sought out to build the biggest house in America. It just kind of happened. It's bigger than the White House. Two tennis courts. 30 bathrooms. Full-size baseball field. 10 kitchens. Antique furniture. 90,000 square feet. Oh, my God. No, that's not my room. That's my closet. No way. There's basically two movies inside The Queen of Versailles. Director Lauren Greenfield starts filming the Seagulls as they set out to build the largest residential home in America, but the financial crash of 2008, which happened in the middle of filming, throws David Siegel's timeshare empire into uncertainty. Incredibly, the Seagulls let Greenfield keep the cameras rolling, and they give her an incredible amount of access to virtually every moment of their lives. And what the movie becomes in the second half is a portrait of the psychology of wealth and materialism, and how the ultra-rich can feel like they're losing it all, even when they're still on top. So, Sammy Boy, what do you think of the movie's turn halfway through? Did you think one half of the film was more interesting, um, and then just beyond that, I want to talk about whether the movie feels more or less relevant today, farther removed from the financial crash. Absolutely. Now, I like the way you put that, too. Because this, for me, was the first time watching it, and you'd seen it before. So I felt it was interesting, like, having, going along the ride for the first time and watching that change happen. And for me, I think the second part was probably more interesting, just because it was, you could tell, like, in the beginning, not that they were, like, making the film as, like, some sort of self-indulgent, like, documentary for themselves, but you could tell they were enjoying it, especially the wife. She was, like, it was really cool to hear about her story, and it was, it almost seemed like they were, they were, like, trying to make something to, like, have some, like, tell some sort of rags to riches story, and then after the crash hit, you could tell that they were almost unnerved, and it wasn't it was uncomfortable for them to be on camera. Like there was a part in the shoot where David was like, can we wrap this up? Like, I don't want to be doing this anymore. So he's like, he's going from like loving, like having that attention and being like, this is what I'm doing with my business. When I was younger, we didn't have much money and now I'm really wealthy. And then later on, after everything's happening, he like does not want to be recorded and just does not really even seem like he wants to be a part of the documentary, which is so, yeah, that change was pretty wild. It was like a lot for me and I could tell it was a lot for the people in the movie. Yeah. How did you feel about that? Yeah, I like what you said. It was pretty interesting in the first half. What the film was going to be at the beginning was basically just like them. It was still going to be an examination of like their wealth and what that means, yada, yada, yada. But mm-hmm. 
they you're you're right that they were like still positioning themselves as like rags to riches story even though they were so incredibly wealthy which which was pretty interesting the fact that they still saw themselves like they all, the way they talked about themselves almost sounded like they thought they were middle class which like the disconnect that they had was was wild absolutely yeah i saw in the a little bit of a blip of me thinking like not feeling bad for them but almost like oh my gosh like just from the way yeah that they were constantly talking about their own wealth and like the situations growing up i was like caught in this amazement i felt like i was like watching someone who grew up from like being dirt poor to like making it which is just definitely not the case so just just to put in context like what their house is um like not even not even the one that they were trying to build but the one they already had um, yes. The one they were trying to build was going to be the biggest residential house in the country, but the one they already had has a sushi bar, tennis courts, a bowling alley, maids' quarters. It was just crazy. Yeah, that was the one that was 26,000 square feet, right? Mm-hmm. That was unreal. Yeah, the part that got me, too, is when they were like, she was saying, well, we don't need a bigger house, but, you know, like, our house is bursting at the seams, and they have all these shots of all these rooms that just were filled with toys. They had like a life-size replica of, was that Sully or something from Monsters, Inc.? They had just an absurd amount of things. Yeah, so going going off of what we're already talking about, I, I just think one of the most interesting parts of not just the first half, but the whole movie is just how they see themselves. This might be my favorite movie so far and just in terms of like the psychology of rich people mm-hmm. because... They do think they're kind of middle class, um, but I, I also thought it was kind of interesting that they see themselves as kind, caring people, and, and they pretty much are. Like I mean, D- David Siegel is a curmudgeon, and he's kind of committed to only doing work. That's the only thing he knows. Mm-hmm. But Jackie was like pretty caring and empathetic towards other people, but she still couldn't get over like being obsessed with wealth yeah absolutely the, uh, kind of relating to what you're saying too i found myself it was hard for me because there are moments where i'm like oh my gosh they're so wealthy and it's hard to feel bad for someone that's kind of like put themselves in, put themselves in that position and is struggling but then there are also moments like where jackie was <clears throat> she like had made some sort of bought some sort of store to sell back to people and was kind of like really heading up a lot of charity work and that changed my yeah that like changed my perception so much just while watching it i feel like i haven't had as much time to think about that afterwards or like even look up online with how much money they've had and like what those companies did for people but she seemed to really be invested in like the community and her family yeah yeah it was interesting because they wanted to be good and they wanted to be charitable but Mm -hmm. they're still like the one percent and they're yeah. still probably part of, like, like they're, they seem to be, like, kind people, and they're, like, really relatable during the whole movie, which is, like, <laughs> kind of a, a feat for the movie. But also, like, the whole business that their empire is founded on is, like, selling timeshares to people who probably ca- can't afford it, and that's what happens <laughs> when, the, when the financial yeah. crash comes down. It's like, our customers couldn't actually afford these things, and now they are actually not paying for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, like, that shot in the beginning, too, where they're, like... They're like talking about like oh our job is to sell people something that you know they think is cheap we gotta we gotta make them think they're getting a great deal and there's the shot of like the family 
and they're like, oh, we can give you this for 2500 and they end up buying it. But, like, the, like, there's a moment when one of the employees is like, thanks for making this deal with us. And, like, the look on the wife's face, she, like, looks like she doesn't even want to be buying it. It's like, oh, crap. Like, why did I just spend this much money? And then later on, David's like, I've changed a lot of people's lives. Everyone who's coming to contact with me has been off for the better. It's like, oh, my. He's, like, saying that while he's sitting in a throne. And yeah. it's nice, but also, like, what? And, and like, during those employee meetings at, uh, the tower where they're selling all the timeshares, like they're oh, convincing yeah. themselves that they're doing a good thing too. Like his son is giving that speech to the employees, and they're like, "What you're doing is providing people with vacations, and vacations are good for their health, and we're saving yeah. lives." And it's <laughs> it's just a, a crazy A to B to C. Absolutely, yeah. And then kind of going on to that later on, he says, "Doesn't he say literally like firefighters save lives, paramedics save lives? You do the same thing." Like, unre- like, it's cool to have a timeshare, for sure. Vacations are healthy, but that's a pretty big leap. That's definitely a big leap. Yeah. And all of it just... I wrote down this one line where... Um, I'm not sure whether whether it was uh, David or Jackie who said it, but one of them said, everyone wants to be rich. The next best thing is to feel rich. And, like, even if they're good people on some level, they're still operating on, like, that mode of thinking, and it's pretty destructive oh absolutely yeah you can tell at the end someone says like kind of bouncing off what you were saying there he just like it's like about i don't he's so stubborn and there's the moment when they say like if he just sold his son is saying like he has the opportunity to sell that hotel and he could have just as much money and uh, he probably could pay his employees again but he just doesn't want to he's just refusing to do it because He's, you know, just, like, dedicated to the cause of, like, maintaining this image that he has or some sort of, like, stubborn self-glory. And at that point, too, he's, like, he would, in that moment, rather die. But then he'd also, like, rather have his employees, I guess, die because they're not going to be able to get paid. Yeah. And the movie treats that in a pretty interesting way, I think, because, like, he's refusing to sell this, like, bullshit dream house that would like be like such an extravagance and the fact that he's not doing that means he's not paying his employees and like the movie could have been like see how evil this person is the movie the movie is pretty sympathetic to him but also makes it pretty clear that he's kind of the problem i wanted to get into that because i read later on after i watched it that he sued the people who made the movie for making defamatory content and i wanted to ask you like Pretty much already said it, but, like, do you think they were honest with not only the way they, like, portrayed him and his family, but the way they talked about, like, how that whole industry functions and, like, his responsibility as, like, his person? Do you think they were honest with covering the way he handled his money and, like, the morality of just that whole situation? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I've, I felt like the movie was pretty, not even even-handed, but just, like, they had access to every moment of their lives, and it was just, like, the movie couldn't have really been defamatory because it was just showing everything like this is just like straight up what their home life was how his business ran it, it just showed it all and it was i thought it was a pretty clear look at it would you like to see them be harder on him i feel like this kind of ties into what my problem was when i saw vice recently which was like that movie goes so hard at dick cheney to the point that everything in america is made to be his problem but, like, everything in America is not David Siegel's problem, even though he did some bad things. So I felt like the movie was more about just, like, this 
mindset that American people have that like money is everything, and I thought it did a good job of going after that more than just like the individual person. I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, everything spoke for itself because, like you were saying before, they showed every moment of his life, and he even said, didn't he? Didn't he like make a? It was kind of like I mean, it was a documentary, so it was like a meta moment. But he was like, oh, like you really caught us, you know, the whole process, like. Yeah. And they really did, and they just showed it. There's nothing else to be said. Even in the questioning, it wasn't like they were prodding at him. They were just letting him kind of speak. So I wanted to talk about a couple of the characters outside of the family itself, because I thought <laughs> the nanny was really interesting. Yeah, me too, yes. So she's 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 basically their live-in nanny and also the children's mother, essentially, because like, Jackie is so busy with charitable work and also not paying attention to being a mother that she the nanny is really acting as their mom and so she's she's really an integral part of their lives and i thought it was interesting that the movie like gave her that she she didn't feel like just like someone they just inserted into the movie she like was a real voice in the movie and that part where she's showing us around that little like uh shack that they give her basically and she's talk she talks about how she's trying to save up money for her family and like ev- everything that the seagulls give her she just sends back home to her family and then you just see that in comparison to the 200 bikes that they have sitting in their garage and it's it it was really crushing yeah that killed me in that moment too with like after the around the bikes portion like shopping for toys and one of the nannies is like no like don't buy this you have too much stuff and she's like trying to take stuff back and the mom is just like jackie's clamoring to buy things yeah but then it's the, really hard to watch but then the maid still had this one line where the nanny says about david siegel he's my idol yeah even and though like reason- she, she's not getting paid enough and he's a multi-billionaire so, yeah, I just wanted to, like, I wanted to see what you thought about that. Like, is that valid, or do you, like, what do you think th- that the movie's saying with that? I was thinking about that a lot, and maybe that, like, tore up my heart. That was sad. That was really sad. It was, like, hard to watch, too, because you could tell how much she was going through. I'm a little, David, he just was really cold during the kind of, kind of the entire movie. And what did it for me was when she was, like, I was wondering, because that beginning line when, one of the nannies was saying that she was her idol was when they were kind of establishing him as like, like who he was and kind of building his, they were building him up a lot. And I was wondering like, why, like why, why is this person your idol? I was a little confused. And then she was saying like, at least what I got of it, I don't know what you got out of it, but it was, to me it was, she was like, oh, like he knows it wasn't because he was a good father or whatever, like because he was like a kind person or donated. It was literally just like, he knows where all of his money's going. Even though he's a billionaire, he knows how much this costs and this little thing, and he's always aware of his money. And that was like it. Yeah, that that was that was like the top line for me in terms of like what this movie's trying to say with like the American dream is just money, and whether you're a billionaire or like the billionaire's nanny, like that's just like the mode of how people think, and it's it's yeah. Yeah. Oh, same. I got the exact part out of that too, and like even farther than that, it's like about how much money you have and like maintaining your personal sphere of money. And not like like make, making sure you have enough for you, and you always know where your money is because you make sure that like you have enough, and that's it. Yeah, and we do see like it's at the expense of some of like their family relationships. Like his his son was like he he had that interview, which I thought oh, yeah. it was interesting. They they had earlier scenes where the son is working for 
the dad. And they show those scenes before they explain their relationship, so you kind of assume that they're, like, working together, father and son. And then we find out later on that they kind of had an estranged relationship. And he says, yeah, we're not close. And, like, their their relationship is just, like, purely transactional. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. There's the moment, too, when they're, like, standing next to each other and, you like, he's, like, narrating over the video. Like, oh, yeah, my dad and I are strictly, you know, we're co-workers. He sticks his hand out. And his dad's, like, staring at it, and then gives him, like, the, oh, yeah, a good deal handshake. And it just felt so hard to watch. Yeah, and, like, kind of related to the nanny thing, um, like, the other side character I wanted to mention was, like, the limo driver. Because the limo, the limo driver says that he had 19 houses. Wait, the limo driver, I don't remember, the limo driver had 19 houses? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he was talking, and it was just, like, interesting, like, no matter who these people were, they all just, like, were trying to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. And I, that was also an interesting line, because I also just rewatched The Big Short recently. Oh, yeah. And, which we could also do for this series, too. Um, I think that'd be perfect, yeah. But, um, like, there's, like, a fictional scene where Steve Carell's, like, talking to this stripper, and she's like, I have six houses. Um, <laughs> and it was, like, it was the same thing. But, no, absolutely, there's, like, that accumulation of everything, and, like, people trying to grab as much as they can. Were there were there any other moments that you wanted to call out that you that you really liked? Um, I think it's kind of just a whole other portion, but the relationship with the children in general, I think, and like just think and the daughter that um they kind of adopted. It was Jackie's mm-hmm. brothers, like her coming in. I mm-hmm. thought the parts with her were really interesting. Like, seeing how she assimilated into the family, because she had, like, come from a situation where she had been homeless and had almost no money when she was, like, 16 to moving in with them. Yeah, and that that, that part was really interesting, because it was, like, it, it just showed how much of being wealthy is just, like, um like how it creates a mindset. Because she was homeless, and then she entered in this billionaire family, and then she became spoiled pretty quickly. Yeah, really? There's this scene with her lizard where, like, it starved, and she was like, oh, well, I'm sorry. Like, that was that was one of my favorite lines in the movie. I thought <laughs> yeah, it really yeah. summed up the movie well, where, I, I, I don't think it was her, I think it was their son, um, but he says, she, the mom was like, our lizard, like, you killed our lizard, and he <laughs> said, I didn't even know we had a lizard. <laughs> and it's just like, they have so much stuff, they don't, they don't even know... Like they're 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 literally killing animals, and it's just yeah. and it's because they don't know the extent of all the stuff they have. Yeah, and they seem like I don't know if it's before or after that, but they're like they bought puppies, but there's also a python loose in the house, and they're like, yes, we gotta find these puppies before the python eats the puppies. That was crazy. Yeah, I know. And the kids were like, ah. they asked the daughter to look for the python. They're like, we gotta find it before the puppies, and she's like, ah, okay, fine. I was like, what? Well, what? How do you have that much? Are, like, puppies expendable? I don't... That was definitely unreal. And that, yeah, those all the scenes of, like, the kids. I feel like the kids were so tied to, like, buying things and consumption of just, like, any type of entertainment that whenever they were around, it was just, like... The kids were flooded with so many... I don't even know if the, if the kids want all the things that they're getting, but they're just being given no. so much. And they, they, they had Christmas morning, and they're unwrapping those presents, and they just don't care. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You can see that scene where there's, like, the little girl, like, opening up. She has, like, four presents next to her, and she's just sitting there, like, yeah. Yeah, kind of commented on that when she was, like, oh, you, like, come in here. And then 
you just get stuff and you get addicted and you want more stuff. Mm-hmm. And it happened at like three years or six years old that was like happening. I also thought it was interesting. Um, a couple times Donald Trump came up. Like, Siegel had a relationship with Donald Trump, and I just thought that was interesting that they kind of come from the same world of, like, money is the highest moral order. I think, like, sometimes Trump is so, like, vicious or stupid that it kind of distracts from the fact that, like, fundamentally, like, this, this, like, these people are kind of nice, but they have, like, the same mindset that's, like, a problem. Yeah, how do you differentiate that, or can you? I don't know. I, I I think I think Trump's like like Trump being xenophobic or uh, yeah. things like that is certainly an added level level of evil. But I, yes. I think like fundamentally, just like the way that he thinks about everything as being like transactional and like everything should be about money is like the same destructive mindset that they have, even though they're kind of nice people. What did you think of in the beginning too, when they were talking about, or they were talking about David Siegel, but also letting him kind of just talk about himself? And they had the whole section in the beginning where he was talking about how influential he was in the election. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He said, "I delivered that election." Yeah, it's just like the yeah. inter- intersection of money and politics. Absolutely, and there's that moment too when they're like, "Well, can you tell us what you did?" And he just smirks. He's like, "Uh, I would, but that might be illegal." Right, and it's like he. He might not have said that if they filmed that during the second half of the movie, but he was just riding so high. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you could definitely tell he was really feeling himself in the beginning. The other moment that I kind of thought, like, showed... Like, we're talking about, like, they're, they're kind of nice people, but... Mm-hmm. They're still this, like, super rich family. The When Jackie's visiting with her old friend Tina, and they go to Tina's house. Oh, yeah. I thought that that part was really interesting with Tina. I agree. And just how foreign... The, they, their friend, they were such good friends growing up, like best friends in high school, right? Mm-hmm. And then there was the, there was that whole thing where she was like, I'm going to send you money to like help save your house. and But then her house didn't get saved. Yeah. And it was just like, they're trying to be good, but they're just so unaware of like how little other people have. It, was, it seemed puzzling to her, too, when she called. She was like, oh, but like I sent you the $5,000. Like, everything should be fine. And it's like, no, no, like, money can't be the solution to everything all the time. Uh, that was unreal, too. Like, the grandma, or Tina's mother, there was a scene, too, when she was just, like, she was so, like, in awe and, like, puzzled by the fact that someone could even sell or buy a house for the amount that they were with the Versailles Palace they were putting it up for 75 million she printed out all the copies and was passing them out like the people in her neighborhood like it was some sort of famous article or something that you know like like a child getting an A plus on a paper yeah yeah they're just idolizing money mm-hmm. yeah so I uh I looked up like what they've been doing since the end of the movie the two big things are uh, their daughter, Victoria, died. Um, she had a drug overdose, and she died at the age of, I think she was 18 or 19. Um, and then Jackie has since started doing charitable work for to like stop people from overdosing on drugs. Um, okay. And then 
on the flip side, the Seagulls' business has bounced back, and they now own the Versailles property outright, and they're working on finishing construction on it. So I thought that was kind of an interesting couple of pieces of information. Like, they're they're going through, like, the same kind of, like, tragic stuff as, like, a lot of middle and lower class families are with with like losing a daughter to to a drug overdose like that but mm-hmm. and then they're they're still able to complete this like hundred million dollar house I like that. that's just hard to hear always you know and in the in the documentary victoria seemed really down to earth there was a moment when she was like calling out david for kind of being obnoxious and rude and, like sticking up for her for jackie yeah who it seemed like i mean i'm not i don't know david and yeah, but the, those the clips, at least when he was like hitting that stress of really being in debt, he was really not like emotionally aware or there for anybody in his family, and pretty kind of being pretty negative. And, yeah, and like, it did outright. it did seem like she kind of wanted nothing to do with all of that. So yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty sad. But now, yeah, now they have it all back, um, and kind of an interesting commentary on like th- this movie was like calling out like the fact that income inequality is at like this insane level it's not even the most expensive home anymore oh my gosh it it would be the fourth most expensive house in the united states that's absolutely unreal and for me after like partly through watching this film they did a good well i don't think the filmmakers did this on purpose but the people the the family the seagulls it almost seemed they made it almost seem like the like you were saying before they were just like the standard of wealth and they had dripped below it and were really struggling and for them to be able to do that, I feel like someone was, like, messing with my mind. Do you think, I know we were talking about this before, but do you, do you think this movie is even more relevant now than it was when it was released? I think so, just because we are living in a time where Trump's the president and that same mindset is just, like, ascending even more and more. And I think that's the kind of thing that people buy into when they, like, when they buy into someone like Trump is just, like, He's good because he got the most money, so that must mean he figured it all out. Yeah. I don't... Kind of bouncing off of that, too. Because this movie did a good job, I think, of portraying like why that's such an unhealthy mindset. What do people have to do to kind of flip that way of thinking? Because even with films like this that are released, nothing really ever changes. Yeah. I don't know, Sammy boy. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. Yeah. I don't think, yeah, I don't think any one movie like this can do it, but I think, you know, it's an interesting piece of a puzzle to show that it didn't really give them answers to anything. And, like, there's there's a line in the second half of the movie where David was like, nothing makes me happy anymore. And it's just like, that's, that's what this does to them. Yeah. That really sunk for me. I didn't. I couldn't really understand that just because he has so much money and he's got a family around him and they all love him even though he can be really awful to them. And Jackie is like super dedicated. What did she say? She said, "I'm not gonna leave him unless he's dead." Like he's got. A, he's surrounded by people that are really invested and not. You know, they're gonna be with him forever. Yet he can say something like that because all about the business. Nothing else matters.